Yo, what's up? Dr. Swole here, MD, bodybuilder, back with another episode on Swole Radio. Today I'm joined by Brad Loomis, who is a coach at 3DMJ, and he's a pro-natural bodybuilder and also has had some great success in powerlifting, having won a silver medal in the 2015 USAPL Raw National. So very excited to have Brad on the podcast. He's a highly esteemed natural bodybuilding coach, and it's good to have you on, Brad. Hey, Bill. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so today we're going to talk a little bit about contest prep, some of the fun, juicy parts about that, and we'll also delve a little bit more into programming since uh, Brad has an extensive experience with uh, powerlifting as well. So I think maybe just to jump right into it, um, in terms of setting up a contest prep, Brad, um, when you if you had sort of the ideal setup for a person how would you go about looking at their length of prep and where they should be starting out in terms of their body composition? All right. Yeah. Good question. Um, 2020 has kind of, um, enlightened all of us, you know, at 3d muscle journey, as far as the length of prep should be, what is optimal length of prep, right? Cause some of these athletes, the preps lasted much longer than it probably should have, you know, but that has also revealed some very uh, interesting um, results, you know, um, as far as how the physique has looked. Um, and specifically kind of what I mean by that is that because, you know, we've gotten people in contest prep, gotten them very lean, the show was canceled, we had the diet break, then we have another show that popped up. That one got canceled. Had to get re-lean again after diet breaking. Um, I I can pretty safely say with a fair amount of confidence that the longer the better as far as competition prep goes. And specifically, when you can go through these phases of dieting and then diet breaks and then dieting and then diet breaks, 2020 has shown that a very good physique ends up becoming of that. So there's going to be a fine balance, obviously, between um, how long a person can mentally <laughs> sustain the rigors of competition prep, and then, of course, what is kind of optimal as far as time frame goes of what we've seen. So like some of these folks, you know, they, they, they diet down, and we get them basically competition lean, um, little pictures, you know, snapshot in time. Um, and so let's just say, for example, you know, all, all natural bodybuilders end up being about 160 pounds, right? So let's just say on the way down, you know, we hit 163, right? Um, and then we get them super, super lean. And then so what ends up happening is that eventually we kind of go the other way, right? So if we get them super, super lean and they end up being 157, there's this point where they start going back up again. And so they'll hit 163 again, you know, kind of on the way back up. And what we've seen this year is that folks, physiques, both male and female. So is it universal as far as male and female goes? Yeah, probably. But it could also be just that females are smaller humans. So we could be just talking like difference in human size, right? But the physique looks dramatically different on the way back up as opposed to the way back down, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's almost universal when you're 
lean-ish and when you're really uber lean. Like we've gotten people down to their, their competition ready and then kind of hit that again, you know, kind of on the way back up or the way back down for another competition. And the physique looks even better. It's almost kind of like each time that we go through this cycle, the, 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 the muscle retention is better while we're still losing those minuscule amounts of fat, right? So the answer to your question, Bill, is that we, we, always, we always like plenty of time to begin with. But now I'm kind of thinking that where you can kind of take your diet into phases to where you're dieting and then you're not, and then you're dieting and then you're not. You're always kind of getting these, these little, like, like mesocycles of training almost, you know, I think optimal periods of time where we've kind of thought it was like 24, 28 weeks. Well, we're kind of thinking now maybe it's kind of like 25, 30 weeks, you know, to where we do have times of diet break and, and, and giving opportunities for people to coincide life with their prep. You know what I mean? Where they, they're traveling, have a, you know, an event happen. Maybe we can give them a diet break during this period of time. But either way, it's, it's hard to say what the optimal starting point is. Because when you're having a long prep like that, or if you give yourself enough time to prep like that, we always kind of like to follow this approach of like dieting, getting to an optimal body comp, then diet break, and then start your, your, your competition diet. But now it's kind of like with, with what we've seen this year, do we really necessarily have to have an optimal body comp? I think kind of more so I'm thinking to myself now, well, it probably needs to be an optimal amount of training time that has happened in order for you to have enough muscle to look good when you're lean. You know what I mean? Because I've kind of had both ends of the spectrum where people started out in 2019, not with an optimal body comp, you know, a little bit fluffy, but boy, they sure did look good when they got on stage, you know? And then likewise, I've had people that were pretty darn good, got them really good, only really lost about four or five pounds. Obviously, this is a smaller human, but we still kind of followed that same, that same timeline, that same format of, okay, time to diet break, bring calories up, maybe even be in a tiny surplus, diet hard again, the next show is coming up. You know what I mean? We're forced to diet break because the show was canceled, and then we have to get lean because now there's another show that's come up. You know what I mean? So I hope that answers your question. I think the big takeaway, more time is better than less time. You know, even if we're, we're just kind of outlining a a 12 week protocol for somebody to do on their own, and then they'll navigate the last 12 or 15 weeks or, you know, whatever, um, with weekly guidance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that having sort of the phasic approach or more so understanding or having that, the, the knowledge that you can take a diet break, maintain and not lose ground in terms of where you come from gives athletes a lot of reassurance and gives you a lot of empowerment in just giving you, knowing that you can get there and sort of hit the pause button and uh, still factor in the rest of your life. Um, how do you like to program sort of, how do you pattern in your refeeds and diet breaks? And, um, what are your thoughts on sort of inserting a longer, like even a maintenance phase, um, sort of like some coaches will talk about getting, getting to sort of the, the brink of that digging phase 
and then holding their body fat steady until they're just a certain amount, a short amount of time out from the comp contest and then sort of strike in terms of that last little bit of body fat. Yeah. You know, the nice thing about uh, 2020 is that we, while we did have our, our, our patterns and our approaches, it forced us into certain circumstances. You know what I mean? Like it might not be a good idea to have a maintenance phase right now, but that's, that's the hand that we're dealt. We have to, you know, uh, comp competition may not be for another six months and you're already, you know, at 6%, 8% body fat, you know? So what do we do? Um, you know, typically kind of the way that I, I do business or kind of my, my standard go-to, um, is that I like to try to pattern my diet breaks along with certain mesocycles of training. So like, say for example, I'd like to bring this person's volume up, you know, either just, either just more reps while maintaining sets your, or maybe we are, you know, increasing sets slightly. Okay. But typically I just will keep sets kind of maintained and just bring up volume through tonnage, AKA more repetition. So during those periods, I like to give diet breaks during that period of time. Uh, I also like to coincide that with life, you know, so so-and-so's got anniversary coming up or kid's birthday or whatever. Maybe that'll be a good time to take about a three or four day, you know, diet break. But <clears throat> outside of that, whenever weight loss is kind of stalled out or, you know, things are getting pretty hard, right? That always kind of seems to happen when you're pretty darn lean-ish, maybe not competition lean, but your body's just fighting back. It's lean enough that it's just saying, you know what, we're not losing any more weight. We, we're not, we're not getting rid of these last little minuscule amounts of body fat, you know? Um, and usually those are times to kind of say, okay, let's step back here, go into a diet break, bring calories up to maintenance, um, maybe even a bit of a surplus, because sometimes what ends up happening is you say, okay, here's maintenance calories. We're going to eat that for two weeks. And they keep losing weight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So clearly whatever happened there, whether it be a metabolic surge from increased, you know, in neat, whatever. Uh, sometimes you have to start with that amount of calories and then kind of go up a little bit from there, you know, in order for them to stop um, losing weight. Now that's obviously an ideal situation because then at that, of course, at that point, diet calories will get you uber, uber lean. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, getting back to kind of your original question, um, kind of things to look for, stall outs in, in, in both weight loss and physique changes. Really, there's not not really much, much of, a, of an improvement in, in conditioning here, right? Also, things that kind of tend to shut down during the body, you know, or during, when the body kind of tends to shut down during a prep, you know, or we've lost ability to progress in our training, you know, or it's dramatically gone backwards. Sometimes people lose motivation, you know. Um, that's also kind of a good time to just kind of say, okay, we're already pretty darn lean. We probably better back off here a little bit, get to where training motivation is, is back up, get to where we can kind of actually make some sort of progress in the gym, uh, get back to where, like I said earlier, 
now weight loss is kind of starting to happen after eating maintenance calories for a while and then kind of strike at that point. And then I guess in terms of 2020 and the things that you guys have gone through with your athletes, do you have any new insights on the optimal approach to uh, feeding into a show or sort of, uh, sort of reversing into a show? Yeah, good question. Just peak week in general, right? Yeah, because I mean, first of all, eating into a show, well, even for a week, a peak week or eating into a show to be beneficial, you got to be really, really lean, right? Um, But almost all of my clients this year, um, probably just because of the duration of the prep, right? Almost all of my competition uh, prep clients this year have gone through multiple phases where they're now really, really lean, you know, really, really, um, like they were, they were competition prep ready to step on stage a month ago. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so now we've just learned how to hold on to, to body weight and just lose those minuscule amounts of, of fat. Right. The the big thing that I've kind of noticed is that it's hard to spill people at that point. You know, as long as they haven't, as long as they haven't like really starved and been low carb for like a really long time. And I mean like 21, 30, 35 days, as long as we've gotten them their high days here and there, um, to where their body can, is, is used to handling, you know, more carbohydrate coming in. It's harder to, it's harder to spill than I've previously thought, you know, um, and so what I've kind of done with, with the, the, the reversing into the show or just kind of the eating up into the show is just kind of incrementally bring up their calories. Now, specifically, you know, probably protein is always maintained. So then we're just kind of walking up carbohydrate and, and, and fat. But that obviously just kind of brings up calories, right? And so we kind of start with what the person's low days are whether that be 900 calories, if it's a very small human, you know, or it's like 1600 calories, if it's kind of your, your average size human, but just kind of bring their calories up three, 400 a day for five, six, seven days. And then like, I've gotten the best experience where like the day before the show, uh, and, and preferably earlier in the day, as opposed to later, you know what I mean? We give them this this bolus of food that either equals their high days calories or maybe even a little bit more. You know what I mean? So if we're exceeding their high days calories, there's just a little bit of excess carbohydrate that we that we gave them. Um, but most importantly, get that in earlier than later because it all your body can only assimilate food so quickly. You know, um, and so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say let's get the bulk of that food kind of prior to 4, 5 p.m., the day before the show, get get a peek at them, look, see what they look like, and then let that kind of determine what show day calories are going to look like. But yeah, that's kind of been my go-to, you know, this year is just incrementally bring, they're already super, super lean, you know, and we're not going to burn any more fat this week. But what we can do is make them look leaner by having the muscles appear fuller through those minuscule 
amounts of fat that they've got there, you know what I mean? Which, which ultimately makes them look leaner, right? That's the whole purpose of, of doing that. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's, uh, some, those are some really good, uh, points to bring back. I think switching gears a little bit, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about programming and especially with your expertise in sort of the uh, powerlifting side of things. Um, in terms of programming during contest prep, how do things change if they change in terms of your typical variables like volume intensity um, and all of that for a bodybuilder with perhaps a secondary focus in strength or powerlifting? Um, yeah, good question. Um... One thing that I've really been focusing on over these last probably 18 months um, is good quality training. And when I mean quality, I mean not only the person's killing it in the gym. They're in their gung-ho, you know, ready to just tear it up, right? Just crush it. I think that's kind of the term that people <laughs> uh, oftentimes use, you know. So not only keeping and maintaining that kind of quality, but then also, um, you know, quality repetitions where effort is there, you know, trying to limit junk volume through either a low effort, right. To where it's like, you're doing a 25 rep set. How effective are those first eight reps? You know what I mean? Trying to minimize that, minimize sessions where we're just going through the motions and we're not quote unquote crushing it. Um, and then, you know, obviously maximizing rep quality, the, getting the most effort and the, and the best repetitions repeatedly, you know, kind of over and over again, where the effort is there and the rep quality is there. Limiting repetitions where we're using momentum or we're cutting depth on squats or, you know, uh, whatever we can do to, to make the muscle or muscle groups moving the weight continuously, you know, throughout the set, right? And so what I always like to do for, for competition prep athletes is I like to say, okay, first of all, let's, let's get the dream split set up here. Whatever it is that you've always wanted to do, but either been too chicken, you know, or were afraid to make a change, or, you know, what have you. Let's do that first, okay? Um, and then, you know, kind of once we get that figured out, let's make all of our variables fit that, you know, to where we're either periodizing during the week. We've got our volume days and our strength days in, in the week or the microcycle, right? Um, and we've got our, our, our volume in the appropriate places for, for bodybuilding and we still have our compound movements that we want in place with maybe progression planned there. You know what I mean? Let's get all of our, our volume, intensity, and frequency all set up um, once we get, you know, kind of identified what is their dream split, right? And then as obviously as you're going through competition prep, what ends up happening is that you're losing weight. And so as you're losing weight, we have these plans for progression, you know, whether it be increasing loads whenever we hit a certain rep target for the sets or whatever our 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 upper limit of, of volume is before we start increasing weight. We've got all these plans to do that, right? But there's also got to be a certain amount of auto-regulation built in. And so 
that auto regulation fits really, really well with my focus of quality training, just crushing it as much as we can. I mean, let's face it, nobody's going to crush it in the gym 100% of the time. It's just not feasible. You know what I mean? But if it's a 50-50, kind of we're crushing it 50% of the time, and then the other 50% of the time, we're just kind of going through the motions, just kind of getting our reps in. If I can increase that to even 60% of the time, that 10% is going to be huge on the way it looks on the physique, especially on, on show day. Because that just that's what it's all about is maintaining muscle, right? We want to maintain the most amount of muscle that we can. And that 10% cru- increase in crushing it can really reveal itself. So I'm not afraid to do things like saying, okay, if we're, if we're trying to get a certain amount of repetitions, um, in before, you know, or, or before we start getting those, those low quality reps, either there's too much momentum or we're cutting depth on our squat, or we're just trying to muscle a few extra reps for the sake of, of getting a few extra reps. If that means we'll sacrifice a little bit of load in order to do that, let's do it. Let's just kind of forget, let's just kind of forego what our progression as far as load goes in order to kind of meet the rep, you know, rep range, rep target that we're getting and the RPE that we're in. And then likewise, you know, if, 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 if the load is so light that the first five, you know, eight, 10 repetitions of a high rep set are, are really not doing anything, you know, let's increase the load in order to make those reps happen, those more effort reps happen sooner, right? And let's make sure that, you know, we're, 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 we're putting as much effort as we feel is, is um, appropriate in as many repetitions as we can. And so it's kind of fun to do things like mile repetitions where we cut down the reps. You know, we kind of get those first eight junk reps out of the way on that first exhaustion set. And now all of the reps <laughs> are there. There's a, a high amount of effort, right? So as, as we're going through competition prep, I kind of have, I try to do phases where we're focusing on, you know, kind of one or the other. We're either focusing on maintaining good quality reps that are pretty high, you know, kind of that. 8, 12, 15 rep range. And then we'll go through phases where we're trying to either maintain load or we're trying to make those loads go up, you know, kind of within reason, all the while focusing on our rep quality. And with, with the RPE coming in, that's where it's kind of like, okay, I know on these high rep sets, it's burning, you know, and it hurts. But if the RPE is not met yet, keep going. Focus on one individual rep at a time until that RPE is met. You know what I mean? Um, and then likewise, when we're going through our higher volume, or excuse me, our higher intensity phases where we're focusing on load, let's just kind of know that sometimes that RPE is going to be met very, very soon. Don't be, be okay with that RPE being met at like three reps, you know, four reps. Basically, because the first rep was going to be pretty darn rough. You know what I mean? doesn't mean we're going to live there all the time, but that also kind of doesn't mean that those four reps were junk. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of always our, our, our focus is effort. It's like they're saying now, you know, that three to fives can be just as much of a hypertrophy range as long as the effort is there and the rep quality is there. 
And then we can kind of play with those two things and bring those two worlds together to where like each week we're focusing on load on these exercises and we're focusing on repetitions and high quality repetitions on these exercises. Does that make sense? So we can kind of go through things and as we're dieting, we can bring volume up when we're diet breaking. We can bring volume down when we're dieting hard and then we can meld those two worlds together as we're kind of getting toward the end of competition prep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's a really intelligent way of going about it, sort of taking advantage of the calories that you have during your diet break to really crush some volume, I guess. Um, to zoom in a little bit, actually, which uh, just sort of intrigues me, do you have, are you, what are your thoughts on sort of manipulating volume or intensity within the week itself to take advantage of refeeds, perhaps, or just any fluctuations of calories within the week? Do you do any, any sort of timing between nutrition and training in, the, in that regard? You know, it's hard for me to, to, to program that because it is so variable from individual to individual. Um, case in point, how is it that some people have, you know, really fantastic training sessions, you know, doing it fasted in the morning? You know what I mean? Um, which we see, we see that quite a bit, you know, I think it just, it all kind of boils down to how does the, how does the makeup of that person, some people actually perform better, you know, when they are a, a little bit depleted in a way, you know what I mean? Um, others can't perform at all, you know, so it's really hard to program that, but we can almost always with enough time working with an individual, either the, the, the client with the coach or the coach with the client, we can almost always dial that in, you know what I mean, to where we can say, okay, let's do our hardest session fasted on some morning where, you know, you seem to perform the best, you know what I mean? Um, or, you know, like, like some people it's, it's, they can feel their leverages change when they're either depleted versus, you know, full, right. When they've kind of had all their glycogen stores filled up. And so, yeah, maybe sometimes we do put a strength day after a refeed, you know what I mean? Because yeah, their, their repetitions may not be very high, but at the same time, when their muscles are fuller, their leverages are better and they're able to focus on you know, more load. Right. Um, so we, we do that quite frequently, but it almost always varies, you know, from person to person. We're not able to just say, okay, let's put a high day on every, every Monday, you know, um, because that's going to be your, your leg day, which typically a lot of people do. That's their leg day. Let's put the high day there. You know what I mean? Um, some people perform better after, a high day, you know, get the high day on Sunday and then put the leg day on Monday. But with enough time, we can almost always figure that out, you know, and we can kind of customize it and again, auto-regulate it to that person to kind of figure out how they, they work the best. And I think the big thing that we always have to kind of keep in mind is that it's, it, it ain't always going to be perfect. You know, what, what might be perfect at the beginning of prep, it's probably not going to be very perfect at the end of prep. You know what I mean? Or we might discover something during a diet break that's not working once their, you know, body fat's dropped 2% or whatever, you know? So then you always just got to focus on, okay, what is getting the weight down? I always think in terms of weekly, you know, 
the weight is going down at the weight that we want when we're tink- when we're when we're getting in fourteen thousand calories a week. As long as fourteen thousand calories a week is met, I don't really care how we go about getting that that business done. If we have two high days, yeah, maybe it is a little bit more optimal that we get those two high days together. But as long as that fourteen thousand calories is met, if we have one high day on Monday and then the next one on Thursday. I'm okay with that. You know, let's auto-regulate this to how you perform the best and how we can make even, you know, three of the five workouts crushing it <laughs> as opposed to one or zero. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, in terms of, you mentioned how you sort of will time the higher volume to diet breaks and then um, and then sort of more, more focus on uh just good rep quality other times and then melding those together as show day approaches. How, how would you, if you could zoom in a little bit more in terms of uh, the timing of those variables and maybe how much of a difference there is between the uh, volumes in different phases? Um, it's hard to, to, to quantify the volume um except through like tonnages, you know, or set or excuse me, not sets, reps, rec repetitions, right? So we, we know that we have to visit times when volume is, is pretty darn high. We have to try to do some way of increasing the work capacity if we can and get the volume in that we need to, to, to maintain that muscle during the prep, right? And so we have the perfect world, you know, okay, we're going to diet break for these next two weeks Let's bring our volume up. Let's bring all of our rep targets up, uh, bring the loads down, make those tonnages be higher. You know, even those sets might be maintained. That, that's a, that's a, a dramatically different amount of volume. People can usually feel that. You know what I mean? Very rarely will I just up and increase sets. Usually I'll just increase their volume through, like I said, tonnage or, or repetitions, right? So we have our perfect time frames. You know, we'll do that during a diet break. Maybe the extend that to where it's like the first one or two weeks after the diet break. We've actually started dieting again, but your body hasn't figured it out yet. You know what I mean? The calories have been low for a couple of weeks, but we're still feeling great. You know, it happens a lot of times, right? And so then, of course, when we're really digging hard, that's when we'll bring those repetitions and those tonnages down. We'll try to increase loads accordingly so that the effort is maintained on each of those reps. But, you know, during the dieting phases, we'll bring those reps way down, right? So with that being said, while that's the perfect world, we're talking about competition prep. And that's where we really have to come in as practitioners and adjust things based on how people are doing, right? And so, yeah, eventually there comes a certain point to where it's kind of like, well, I know that you're suffering and I know that calories are low. But it's been like 12 weeks now since we've done a really good volume phase. You know what I mean? we got to get our volume up here a little bit. And so that's when I'll start blending the two worlds together. You know what I mean? I'll kind of say, okay, on these movements here, let's just maintain the tonnages there. Let's maintain the reps. Let's maintain the tonnages there. However, these movements here... Let's get those tonnages up. Let's maintain the sets, but let's get those reps and those tonnages up. And then we can kind of focus on those tonnages staying up 
and, and auto-regulating load to do that. Whereas the other ones, let's go ahead and auto-regulate repetitions there and, and, and focus on maintaining load as much as we can. That's when the two worlds will kind of start to blend together. And usually we'll kind of, we'll pick and choose which exercises we want to get our volume in on. So obviously with bodybuilders, you know, we're going to want to focus on the bodybuilding muscles. You know, maybe we bring up tonnages on our isolation movements like curls and side lateral raises and leg extensions and leg curls and things like that, right? Sometimes we got to pay attention to what injuries are. You know, sometimes people start to get aches and pains in their elbows, you know, and so maybe what we have to do is we have to kind of bring our rep targets and our tonnages up through pulling movements that work the biceps, you know, um, underhand grip pull downs, you know, or neutral grip rows or, or kind of things like that. But that's kind of when those two worlds kind of come together is when, okay, we, we need to do this, but calories don't really allow it. So how can we blend those two worlds together in order to make that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I guess zooming out a little bit in sort of in terms of mistakes that common mistakes people make. Well, in people you've seen who have lost a significant amount of muscle during contest prep, what would you feel are the most common mistakes they make in terms of both training and diet? Mm -hmm. Well, when, when, when we're getting lean, what is the main variable in getting lean, right? It's food. It's not cardio. Cardio helps, but it almost always boils down to food, right? And a significant component to getting lean is maintaining the muscle so that you fill out your skin. And what body fat stores that you do have, you fill out those body fat stores, right? And so a lot of times the mistakes that I see people make is, is related to nutrition, you know? They either diet too hard, you know, for too long, um, or, you know, they've dieted too fast for too short, if that makes sense, you know? So you can do things smart, you know, and you can lose, you know, 1% or 0.5% of body fat every single week. But if you've done that continuously for, say, 26, 28, 30 weeks, and you've never given yourself an opportunity to kind of maintain weight for a period of time, that usually results in a, a, an increase in, in a loss of lean body mass, right? Um, we, we just kind of know that, we know that just diet breaks within the week help to accelerate fat loss and maintain muscle. You know, there's, there's, we have studies on that where we group the, 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 the maintenance de days together and, and group the, the, the real severe dieting days together. So it's almost always nutrition that, that results in that, that loss of lean body tissue. Um, like I said earlier, you've dieted too harshly for too long, or even dieted just appropriately for too long. But then other times, you know, people will, will, will say, okay, well, I want to do this competition in 15 weeks. And I'm 30 pounds overweight. Dropping two pounds a week you know, is almost always going to result in some pretty significant muscle loss during that period of time. Um, especially, you know, if we start thinking of, an, of the other variable that maintains muscle, our volume, you know, if they're doing, and, and cardio to a certain extent is, has a, a, a bit of a play in volume as well, you know. So if you're 
you know, got real high volume leg training and you're doing cardio on top of that, it goes without saying the legs kind of tend to lose a significant amount of, of muscle mass, you know, a visible amount of muscle mass during that period of time. Um, so yeah, the nutrition is the main driver, you know, as far as retaining muscle in a cut, but then training also is a contributing factor. Dieting hard and keeping volume high. That's never a very good thing. You know, sometimes during diet breaks, it's appropriate to bring volume down while bringing nutrition up, you know, and you know, that sometimes it goes with one of my sayings is always that you can, you can actually make progress during a deload. You know, you can make progress where either a, you're actually stronger and performing better during a deload, right? Because the volume has come down so much. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of times when people's focus only needs to be on a limited amount of sets or a limited amount of sessions during the week, those sessions can be really, really good, you know? Um, and so, yeah, sometimes when people are drudgingly going through tons and tons of volume, you, you can, you can help retain muscle by bringing that volume down and bringing your focus into a limited amount of sets or a limited amount of, um, workouts in the week. Um, kind of offsetting a drop in numerical volume by increasing the, the non-numerical volume through rep quality and like using that, that, that term I've used too many times now, crushing each and every repetition, you know? Um, so yeah, those are, those are the kind of things that I usually see that results in less than favorable body composition, less than favorable conditioning, you know, on the bodybuilding stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming back to this question um, that I wanted to ask earlier, in going back to setting up your contest prep, um, where you said that sometimes you will diet, have a person go through like a, the diet before the diet sort of thing to get into a good position before starting. Where, where will you time that in relation to starting contest prep and will you do a maintenance phase in between? How do you set that up? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. And really I can't take credit for this. This was kind of something that, uh, our good buddy Alberto kind of headed up a few years ago, call it the pre-diet diet. Um, and, and it was more so with him kind of anecdotally through him using this with his body and then with, you know, several of his clients. But typically because I think numerically so much, what I do is I kind of say, okay, this person and it's always helpful when they've been on the stage before, right? And we kind of know about what their competition weight is. Um, that's always helpful. So, you know, usually what I'll do is I'll say, okay, we need to get this person down 30 pounds, right? And I like to kind of do things a little bit slower. So I like to lose, and, and I should actually probably put this in a percentage more so than a pound, but just for ease of explaining things, I'm going to refer to what would be a larger individual, right? Somebody that's about 150 to 200 pounds, somewhere in there. So I guess that's not really larger, is it? But larger than, than smaller humans, we'll just say. We'll just call it an average person. So if they're 150 to 200 pounds, I think to myself, a good rate of loss here would be about a one pound per week. And so if we need to lose, you know, 30 pounds, um, the last... The, the dieting portion could easily be 25 weeks, 
right? And so if we say, okay, in a perfect world, one pound a week, 25 pounds, 25 weeks, there's our, our competition prep. So we need to lose five pounds kind of during our pre-diet diet, right? And so we'll kind of set things up to say, okay, this pre-diet diet is going to last in a perfect world five weeks where we're going to lose a pound a week. But more importantly, let's just get that five pounds off, right? Might take five weeks, might take three weeks, might take 10 weeks, okay? But let's get that, that five pounds off, kind of clean up habits a little bit, maybe not even track, you know, maybe just say, okay, we're not even going to track calories here. I just want you eating one less meal per day, you know, or I want you eating the same amount of meals and just eating to less fullness at the end of the meal, right? But however that happens, what I want to have is I want to have at least 25 weeks to lose that last 25 pounds or preferably 30 weeks so that we can kind of diet break in between. So that usually leaves us 35, 40 weeks out from the competition. We'll start the pre-diet diet, let that last anywhere between three weeks and, and five weeks, leave me 25 to 30 weeks to get that person stage lean through their competition prep. Whatever's left over in the middle is going to be kind of that maintenance phase. So this is a perfect world. 40 weeks, we start the pre-diet diet. 40 weeks out, we start the pre-diet diet. We lose five pounds in five weeks, now we're left with 35 weeks. We have a five-week diet break, okay? Preferably not gaining any weight during that period of time. But if we do, as long as we have 30 weeks available for the actual diet to lose that last 25 pounds, 26 pounds, we've got enough time to get those diet breaks built in. And the one thing that I will say is that sometimes, especially with a longer prep, the end weight, the, the stage weight, is sometimes a little bit more than what it has been in the past. You know what I mean? Now, that's not necessarily because they gained that two pounds of muscle during the off-season, but we were better able to retain that two pounds of muscle during the competition prep. Whereas before, you might have dieted off that additional two pounds of muscle because you did it however way that you did it before, but now we were able to hold on to that two pounds of muscle and so that's what's affected our stage weight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's solid uh, advice for sure in terms of, I think, that sort of setting up the contest prep from the macro end and planning things ahead of time or is, a, is a big pitfall that athletes make, um, myself included, especially when they're starting out. Um, so, yeah, I think that's been... That's been really fruitful uh, discussion today. Uh, I think just just a fun question, Brad. What are your current priorities in terms of your own um, bodybuilding journey and in the in the iron world? Um, my my current priorities for myself kind of coincide with what it is that I want people to accomplish. Like right now, my current priorities is I want to enjoy my training, I, I, and not just. You know, I, 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 want, I, I want to eliminate the days that I don't want to be there and maximize the days that I do want to be in there, right? So I want to enjoy my training, which obviously means I got to make sure that my, my, my training environment is really good, you know, and that my that dream split is in place for me, right? Um, but then also I've kind of removed some of the, you know, constraints that um, we sometimes put upon ourselves 
that take away from the enjoyment of our training, right? So like, for example, I'll set up a, a microcycle of training, but I don't try to get it done in seven days, nor do I really want to, you know? So I'll give myself more time to complete a microcycle. Because after all, I mean, this doesn't know that seven days is a week. What it kind of knows is what's happening over time, right? And so setting up my training to where I really enjoy it in that aspect of it, none of my workouts in my sessions are stressful. It's not like I got to hurry up and get this in, you know what I mean? Because it's getting close to the end of the week or what have you. Because a lot of times that just kind of results in less than quality training, right? So I, I, I get my work done, but I take the stress out of it by, by setting things up to where I give myself more time to get it done. And then, of course, I give myself good stress. It's like, oh, you know what? I got to get this workout in today. I got to set aside time for me to do it, you know, and I got to get in there and quote unquote crush it, right? So I have the good stress that's in there. But then also my, my rep quality is kind of something else that I'm really, really trying to focus on. And so like we were talking about, a lot of my bodybuilding work is mile reps. I make, even if it's like a 15 pound dumbbell that I'm using on my curl, you know, I, I'm, I'm keeping those repetitions hard by cutting down the rest in between the sets, you know, and then making sure, okay, my arm is in exactly the same place as I'm doing my curl. And now this one, I can't finish it unless I give it that momentum. You know what I mean? So I'm going to stop at that one and limit those ones where I'm giving it that momentum, you know, and I'm going to keep them in that, that area that it's, it's hard to do so. Right. And then likewise, I want my, my heavy repetitions to be super, super good quality, which means that if I want to do something heavy, I want the first rep to be an RPE eight, right? It at least felt slow. You know what I mean? And even if it felt slow, doesn't mean that I'm done. You know, it just means that the next one might be a little bit slower, right? And then if I have it programmed such, the next one is going to be a grinder. You know what I mean? So I want that weight heavy enough that that first one, I got to put a good amount of effort in just to keep the speed that it should be, you know, or that I normally lift a, a load that's 20% less, right? So that's my focus right now is all of my sessions being really, really good sessions, limiting injury, or at least working around my injuries and setting up my training so that when the injuries pop up, it doesn't stop me from training. I can do a different lift, you know, the next time I train or a different variation of a lift. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Will I compete again? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> my motto has always kind of been, I don't train to compete. You know what I mean? That's not my thinking. I'm going to train all the time. You know, uh, my focus is on my training, not on competition. And when a competition pops up, sure, I'll do it, whether it's powerlifting or bodybuilding. But more importantly, I'm going to want to do it. I don't feel like I have to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really important, having that sort of uh, internal driven focus of motivation rather than being externally motivated. Um, and, uh, yeah, so great discussion today and yeah, really appreciate all your experience in the diet and training realm and life balancing of, uh, contest prep and all of this. And I think 2020 has been really interesting 
year, and it's great to hear your perspectives on how this sort of trial by fire has, I think, taught us a lot about zooming out and keeping everything in perspective and learning learning sort of the the ability to balance bodybuilding with other events that happen in life as well and still have great success so the 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 one thing i was going to end on is that if if i do bodybuild again like if i do a bodybuilding competition again my focus is not going to be on the bodybuilding competition when i bodybuild again i'm going to want to starve i'm going to want to be meticulous and 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 weigh and track all my food. I'm going to want to go through that whole journey that, let's face it, is really freaking hard. You know what I mean? That's when I know that I'm going to be ready to compete and then still be able to kind of balance that and just kind of know that, okay, now I'm shifting a little bit of my focus into this bodybuilding thing and and getting kind of that away that focus away from things that I might normally pay attention to, right? That's that's one thing 2020 has taught me. With these people that I'm having to, to coach through these really hard times, they're embracing them. They're embracing them and they're doing good and they're still able to keep their focus there, you know, and they want to do it. That's when I know I'll be ready to compete again is when I want to go through all that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be that way. Alrighty, so... For the listeners, Brad, where can they find you? Um, 3dmusclejourney.com. That's always a safe place to start, um, just like it sounds. The number three, the letter D, musclejourney.com. That's our website where all of our coaching information is and all of our our um, education, blogs, podcasts, etc. 3DMJ Vault is where kind of our products are. So we've got the lifting library. It goes over, you know, instruction of lifts and, and rep quality, this stuff that we've kind of been talking about in this podcast, posing guide, um, you know, free content. We've got tons of free courses in there. And then personally myself, um, oh, and we can't forget YouTube, right? Team 3DMJ backslash YouTube. Um, but yeah, then myself, you know, just the typical social media platforms. I'm on Instagram and almost all of my my social media is 3DMJ Coach. <laughs> so no matter what platform, if I'm on there, you're going to find me at 3DMJ Coach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Yeah, so thanks again for being on the podcast. You're very welcome, Bill. Thank you for having me on. I hope that uh, your listeners enjoyed this. That's all for now, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, give me a five-star rating, and leave me a review. My primary platform is YouTube, so if you'd like to see video content by me, you can find my YouTube channel if you search Ask Dr. Swole. See you next time.